Tonight's guest is Dr. Tyler A. Kochjohn, who you may remember from a few episodes ago with Carol Rainey. He is the author of Tainted, Toxic, and Taboo, One Scientist's Assessment of Alien Abduction Research, available right now in the free preview of Paratopia Magazine, the full edition of which is due out next week. Dr. Kochjohn received his Ph.D. degree in biochemistry from Loyola University in Chicago and is presently a professor of microbiology at Arizona College of Osteopathic Medicine and an adjunct senior scientist at Banner Sun Health Research Institute in Sun City, Arizona. Beginning his research career in investigating the molecular mechanisms of DNA repair in bacteria and viruses in 1998, he joined a group investigating Alzheimer's disease, biochemistry, and the effects of immunotherapy on brain pathology and cognition. His lifelong interest in the UFO phenomenon began in 1967 after reading Flying Saucers, Serious Business by Frank Edwards. During the episode, we reference some of his YouTube videos, and if you would like to view them, go to youtube.com and search for Rewinky, for that is his username on YouTube, R-E-W-I-N-K-Y, Rewinky. So please do go there and check out his explanatory videos that are really challenges, challenges to the science of ufology. I mean, not all of his videos are geared toward this, but uh, a lot of them, and they're disguised as very simple instructional videos, not unlike the kind you would find on children's television. So I find that fascinating. I find Dr. Coke John fascinating. And we will get to our fascinating show right after these words. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it, we take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Paratopia, welcome to yet another exciting edition of our little show. Uh, This one is sort of more exciting in a way than normal because it was on the fly. It was supposed to be a small segment of a different show, um, but the conversation just kept going, so it evolved into its own show. As a result... I think some of it may be insider in a way and may need a little explanation. But first, our co-host, Jeff Ritzman. Good evening, Jeremy. How are you? I'm doing well. And yourself? Oh, that's right. I'm good. Doesn't that sound professional, all of what I just said? Sure. Thanks. What? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So I... Our guest, of course, is Dr. Tyler Koch-Jean, who we wanted to have on um, for Jeff to uh, surprise with a question. And frankly, Dr. Koch-Jean uh, was weary of surprises. He's not a fan of surprises, but he decided to come on and, and allow us to surprise him anyway. And I think he was pleasantly surprised. But some of what we talk about is 
uh, UFO updates, I think, gets mentioned here. So yes. I, I think maybe certain things need a little setup. That when we're talking about UFO updates, this is a, a website that's sort of insider baseball for ufology. Uh, so if you've been hearing, a, you know, a, from various ufologists and and pundits that you know the whole Carol Rainey, Emma Woods, Hopkins, Jacobs thing doesn't matter. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody cares. That's a complete lie. Uh, if you go to UFO updates, you can see that it's just day after day after day uh, talking about these issues and our show, which I found actually disconcerting because I didn't realize how much of that there was there. Uh, it's just funny to see. Um, it was a lot. And good. I mean, great. So people are debating it and wonderful. Uh, so Tyler uh, decided to uh, chime in there a little bit and have a you know, a go around with some people. Um, so we talk a little bit about that. We also, of course, start off talking about Bud Hopkins has released his statement or whatever about uh, Carol's article and sort of just dismisses Tyler by saying that uh, <laughs> that John Mack outranks him somehow. So Tyler, we don't have to pay attention to Tyler because John, rank- John Mack outranks him. So apparently research is a rock, paper, scissors affair where where paper beats rock. Is that correct, Jeff? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Tyler is uh, is largely worthless, and therefore I refer to him lovingly as uh, Tyler. <laughs> um, so that. Well, it's just more, it's, it's what you've all come to expect from, uh, from this field. Uh, just, just more, uh, well, more personality, and I'm better than you, more so than what the hell is going on and what is this? Put it that way. That's, that's how I view it. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I don't think Jeff and I feel the need to belabor, you know, any sort of response to uh, Bud's response, because frankly, he just peppered the entire thing with, my angry ex, my ex-wife, my ex, my angry ex, and that's supposed to be what you concentrate on. So, I mean, it's pretty much a cheap reply as far as I'm concerned, and as far as any of the stuff in there that looks like it might be factually accurate, uh, well, Carol Rainey will be releasing her rebuttal to that. So, And then hopefully that will be the end. You know, I, I don't foresee that going back and forth forever and ever. I just think... It's once again, as we've seen with Jacobs and Emma, he said, she documented. And you can keep it he said, she said, if you want, but that's really avoiding the issue. And I understand why people want to, you know, there, there are a lot of friendships involved here and paradigms and, and all of that. But you know what? It's time to just, yeah, don't you get sick of hearing me say it? <laughs> it's time to move beyond all of that now, isn't it? Uh, when do we do this ufology? Um, Just as a side note, uh, if you all would like to come to my home on Saturday night, I will be sacrificing a goat to the Dark Lord in the hopes that this entire affair fades into the background. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. No, that's not going to happen. The goat sacrifice will, not the fading. Um, Speaking (laughs) of goat sacrifice and Dark Lord, uh, so the thing that we brought to uh, Tyler was – Basically, it's something that, that your shroud guy gave to you to give to the world. Said, "Look, you can, you can use this." And I think the thing that we didn't 
talk about in the interview, uh, you know, how this came about was that we, in the last after chat, uh, started talking about our own sort of psychological peccadilloes, how about? <laughs> and one of those is your anger issues. And I right. think in response to that, this guy said, well, you want to really know why you're angry? Here's part of it. Here's the part that you're not going to be able to figure out on your own, basically. And the implications um, are staggering. And, you know, I think are um, across the board. They're universal. They're for all of us. So uh, if you want to talk more about that before we get into this. Uh, feel I mean, the only thing really that uh, to add to that is that uh, uh, I didn't see anything. Uh, I can't uh, I, I can't ultimately uh, testify that that it was this the same guy, but it certainly felt the same and it certainly had that inside audio quality of being that. So that's what I attributed it to uh, at the time. And um, uh, should I, should I say exactly what it is? Or uh, I, I pretty much detailed that within the question that yeah, I asked yeah. Tyler. So there's a little point in doing it in this before intro, but, um, uh, but it was, I, I, I mean, to be honest with, everybody and and just keep it all on the table it um it was probably one of the most benign uh i would say uh, if if it is the same thing i would say it was the most uh easygoing and lightest and easiest to take portion of that uh that kind of interaction so um i describe it better to, to tyler as i'm as i'm uh, asking him the question as opposed to me, which I'm just trying to kind of verify out a little bit. So, and you know, the only thing I have to say past that is if anyone listening, um, happens to know or know of someone, uh, or specializes in, uh, the field of brain chemistry or, uh, as it relates to eye movement, then please feel free to, to email us at peritopia podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, and and just uh, put it to my attention. I would love to to hear what everyone else thinks, uh, whether you're inside this or not. So um, that's about it. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess just one more note that that all of this part of it uh, is in the beginning section. So it is all in the free section, um, as we tend to do with anything we feel has you know bigger implications than just our show. Uh, right. Because, of course, we don't want anyone claiming that we're, ju- we're just trying to make money or whatever. Um, so we, we always do that. We did that with Brian Reed, uh, so on and so forth. So without further ado, here is Tyler Cokejohn. Peritopia, we're bringing back the one, the only Dr. Tyler Cokejohn, um, because Jeff has a mystery question for him. And um, also, what the heck, we might as well uh, get his opinion on... Bud Hopkins' response to Carol Rainey's and his, more Carol Rainey's, but Carol Rainey's and his articles for Peritopia Magazine. Dr. Coke John, Tyler, thank you uh, for coming on again, and uh, welcome back. Thank you. So, I know you read Bud Hopkins' uh, response. Did did it leave you wanting, or did it fill in some blanks for you, or what, what was your feeling on it? I was uh, disappointed to find out I'm outranked. <laughs> that's that's right. So, Explain that so in case people didn't, uh, didn't read it. The uh, the only thing that I saw, and maybe I missed something, uh, in terms of uh, what I had contributed, was that uh, uh, Professor John Mack, uh, a very eminent 
scientist, professor, MD, uh, apparently uh, just outranks me. And uh, anything I say then is unworthy. So, uh, so be it. Okay, <laughs> I've been put in my place. Huh. Yeah, I find it interesting that, that uh, like the last two radio interviews I've seen with both him and David Jacobs, they've, you know, made an effort to say that, that John Mack was completely wrong with his take on abductions uh, and that, that his, his position was uh, un, unfeasible even by his own evidentiary standards. And yet, they're pulling the John Mack card to trump you. <laughs> it is interesting. Uh, the other thing is, maybe you guys could clarify for me. I, I hope somebody can. Uh, if John Mack is, in fact, the ultimate authority, why is his interpretation so cosmically different than, than theirs in terms of what they've discovered? It just I, I can't reconcile this. I don't get it. I don't think it's meant to be gotten. I think that's... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's anything to get. Jeff, uh, do you want to uh, chime in on the Hopkins rebuttal piece, or or do you not care? <laughs> uh, no, I care certainly. Um, I mean, I, I to me, um, uh, Jeremy, do I use the line here? Is this where I, I use my line about how angry I was when I read a certain paragraph of that? <laughs> yes, my favorite line. Uh, I was angrier than a a prom night dumpster baby uh, <laughs> when I read. Uh, that essentially Bud had written a paper that he believes is the definitive view on hypnosis and its worth. And, uh, and that paper was also, by the way, edited by uh, Dr. Jacobs. Uh, so there we have – and this was peer-reviewed in his, uh, in his description of it. And my first question would be, reviewed by whom <laughs> uh, and published where and if – published in some major you know, medical or psychological journal, my question would be, what the hell are you people taking uh, an artist and a history professor's papers on hypnosis and its worth for? I mean, that just had my jaw uh, hit the floor. I, uh, I was like, are you joking? What is that? Um, and, and at that point, and this is the question I have for you, Tyler, is, uh, you know, I see this, I see that, uh, there are, of course, a lot of people who agree with what we've talked about on the show, everything product, you know, from Dr. Lillenfeld on up. Uh, and so the tide is changing, but there are those resistant ones, which are, there always will be, and we're not kidding ourselves in that respect. But I'm wondering, um, in, in lieu of you saying to us, you know, this is something that you're going to have to revisit every so often to keep it in the public um, you know, in the pail that they're carrying along, um, so it's not forgotten. I mean, first of all, I have to say why to that, uh, because I, I would think once something gets uh, soundly put to bed, it should be just there in bed. I know that doesn't always happen in this field, particularly, but the question is, you know, ultimately, what is it going to take? Is it going to take, um, Somebody coming out of a, a, hip, you know, a hypnosis session with someone remembering some horrible thing that they can't come to grips with and possibly killing themselves. I mean, you know, I, I, I would assume something like that could be as damaging as any other psychological uh, you know, aberration that can happen uh, in memory. Uh, well, what is it going to take for people to go, okay, this is a tool we don't need to be fooling with? 
you're probably right. It it could be. Um, it'll take something really tragic, and and I hope it doesn't come to that. Um, I think the odds are against that because we haven't really, at least to my knowledge, had such a, a terrible thing happen yet. Mm-hmm. But um, you're right. You're you're messing with people, and um, under circumstances that are maybe not optimal. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I think though, you know, to be honest, that this is not unusual that an idea can be very valid, but you got to keep beating the drum. And whether it's President Obama running around, you know, trying to get people to listen to his ideas, you have to just repeat and mm-hmm. uh, and hope at some point it catches. Uh, one thing that might be quite fascinating would be that if Carol Randy is ever able to uh, complete her documentary. Uh, I've not seen any of the footage other than what's on her website, uh, right. but that might be quite telling. Mm. And, and, you know, I mean, that's sometimes an example is better than all of our words. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that that would be a good thing to have. Um, but do you, do you think that it's it's too much on a limb to or too dramatic to think about it in the way that I've been thinking about it, which is like, I feel like, why is this not getting through to people that they're enabling what are probably crimes? <laughs> are they crimes? And if they're not crimes, should they be crimes? How do you make them crimes? Like, how do you. Who do you go to in the psych community to say, you know what, uh, it's time to regulate hypnosis? I don't know if we covered this. We probably did the last time you were on. But, I mean, who do you go to to say this needs to be illegal? Good question. Uh, there, one problem that, that apparently is uh, happening here is that a lot of the activities kind of fall between regulatory cracks. And uh, you end up, you know, who's responsible and you just can't point a finger at any particular spot. And um, frankly, that's given people a lot of latitude. And uh, and I think you can see maybe some of the downside of that. As I said, when I, I read Carol Rainey's uh, piece, uh, it was stunning. I mean, what I heard was stunning. And so uh, it, it may not be. I mean, I, maybe I'm overreacting. Uh, but again, I let me just put it out there for people. This is this is not something that I'm really expert on, and um, you know we we really need to have others weigh in, and, and I hope that they will. We're getting maybe a little bit of that now, but um, it's time. Yeah, it's I mean, I just to... I just think there needs to be some way to put this that's not that's not libelous and slanderous. I mean, I certainly don't want to go down that road, but but something that that captures the people in this field who are friends with uh, these guys and. Uh, or had positive interactions with them and all that. I mean, I, I get that, but that doesn't negate the actual facts that are on the table. Nothing that I've seen in rebuttal to Carol or to Emma Woods has actually negated the facts that they've put on the table. And this is a very important problem. point. Yeah. So very how do you important. how do you how do you t- get people out of the frame of mind of it's he said she said and into the frame of mind of it's he said and she documented and backed up with facts because that's what happened in both cases. And there are a few people who are, are beginning to point that out. Other people have, have said as much. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is, and it's the same thing repeatedly, that, that apparently uh, data is put out there and there isn't any refutation, uh, in my opinion. Uh, again, um, I'm not sure what constraints uh, Dr. Jacobs has. I, I think, you know, Bud can obviously speak freely and has. And, um, 
it's just not very satisfying. Uh, the things that I saw uh, in re basically response to Emma on the uh, International Center for Abduction Research website, um, which is interesting because he, he can respond when he feels like it, weren't very informative. And we're trying to have it both ways. Um, but it, it's hard after you, you pointed out that, that people just kind of say, yeah, he's a nice guy. Um, as if that excuses anything. Hmm. So uh, the only thing I can say is that from my standpoint, uh, one way would be to say, uh, let's then focus on the scientific merits of this and corroborate whatever we can. I feel personally that's very important. And I don't sense that happening either. Well, you've there. been uh, on UFO updates, um, emailing back and forth to people on that message board, and you have maintained a mature and um, accommodating and friendly demeanor on there, which I'm sure they're not used to. Uh, has that gotten you anywhere? I mean, do you do you feel as though you're you're winning over the hearts and minds, maybe, of people who otherwise wouldn't listen to um, the facts? Uh, no telling, uh, but I have gotten some very very good questions. And uh, I've tried to uh, be as straightforward and honest with people, uh, knowing that possibly some don't want to hear what I have to say. And uh, I've just laid it out there and, you know, said, this is my opinion and this is where I think we can go. Um, you know, whether I'm the one that takes them there, in fact, I don't think I ever will be. Um, people seem to at least be listening. And, um, you know, I mean, that's about all you can ask. Uh, the, it's the first time I've never really been on the forum, uh, but I'll just come out and tell you guys that in all of the efforts that I've had combined elsewhere in one day on UFO updates, I got more response than anything else or all the other efforts combined. Hmm. So I, I've been, you know, it's been good in that regard. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Right. Very good. Well, uh, Let's uh, turn it over here to a completely other topic. And Jeff, I'm going to just say take it away because I don't know even how you want to preface this. So take it away. I don't know either. Oh, God, cool. you're, just, you're just throwing this in my lap, are you? Well, well. I mean, do you want to preface it by, I, I mean, do you want to tell the, the origin of this question f or not is one question. No. Um, <laughs> no, I... Uh, I'm sleeping pretty well these days. I prefer to keep it that way. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, well, I, I, I'll tell you, Tyler. I mean, essentially, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll blow it out, and it doesn't doesn't matter. I don't think at this point that uh, you know um, everybody knows I'm a freaking space cadet. So what's it matter? Uh, you know, Jeremy and I both are experiencers of weird stuff, and, and neither of us had ever partaken of the hypnosis route pretty much everything that i recall uh i recall just outright um and there are bits that i don't remember um and and i'm content not to remember that uh and for most of my life it's been, you know i could say that a lot of there's been a lot of very bizarre things but uh you could pretty much slip a lot of it into the ufo phenomena envelope up until a certain point, not horribly long ago, uh, when everything seemed to take kind of a, a right angle turn, and I began to uh, see a man um, who's probably, I mean, I would say he's seven foot tall, maybe somewhere in there. He's very tall, 
and wears a more or less like a black shroud uh, that's all one piece, uh, no sleeves, no anything like that. He just kind of um, looks like a uh, a black classic ghost with uh, an opening for his face, and I rarely see anything below the bridge of the nose, uh, or above the bridge of the nose, rather. And um, I've had a couple of, of uh, kind of weird interactions that uh, when I have talked about them, uh, I seem to get some kind of, uh, I guess I'll call it violent reciprocation, but it feels more like you're being taught uh, to keep your mouth shut um, uh, until such a time as you can formulate this experience and convey it accurately to a mass audience, which is always the way I've kind of tried to do things. And the other night, I, didn't, I have to preface this by saying I didn't see anyone. I didn't see him. I didn't see any. All I heard this as I'm laying on the couch. There was a discussion which, I mean, to start with, felt like I was having um, as I woke up, uh, like it was already going on. There was no start point to this. But uh, essentially, it was, um, it was talking about our brain chemistry which I know precisely nothing about, and technology. Now, if this rings a bell with you in any conceivable way or I mention anything, I just want you to jump in and tell me, yeah, this is right or it's wrong, because this is where I lay it out and I go to a scientist like you, does this make any kind of cohesive sense? The gist of this was is that we spend, uh, as a culture, a lot of time on the Internet, and when you're on the internet, most of your eye movements are rather quick. Uh, this was all – to preface all this, this was all to address a question of uh, anger with me because I, I tend to have a lot of anger. Maybe you haven't noticed. Um, <laughs> but this was being explained in the sense that I, I work on the net all day. I, I do the show and I have to keep up with message boards and, and all of this data. And so I spend a lot of time on it. Uh, eight hours a day at work, and then practically uh, you know, another four or five at home. When your eyes are moving left to right very quickly as you scan pages or you're, you're reading documents or whatever, that is releasing a chemical in your brain. This is what I'm told. Uh, and I want to say serotonin or serotonin or serotonin. something. It serotonin. wasn't serotonin, but it, was, it sounded like that. Okay. Um, but essentially, what it is is a leftover from when we, I guess, we're a much younger species, and we're worried about things attacking us. Um, that this is it immediately triggers in our in the brain a chemical that is uh, looking for predators. Uh, that the the darting of the eyes back and forth, back and forth in the lateral motion, is releasing this chemical that is essentially making us defensive. Easily agitated, uh, angry. Um, people talk about internet balls and uh, that sort of thing. So I, I immediately connected that with uh, online interactions uh, that I see across the board, not just with me, but with everyone I know. These tend to be very vicious and cutthroat arguments online uh, about a whole host of topics. Uh, and this, too, is connected to um, something in the way of like an, an adrenaline disorder of some kind because it also releases some sort of adrenaline when we're doing this. And this is all 
said in the sense that we don't even know that this is happening, but this is the reason for so much agitation as technology has grown. The method, method of presenting data is still triggering in us a brain chemistry makeup that is causing us to be agitated uh, and, and in that angered state. Does any of this sound right to you or wrong? No, it's very interesting. Um, in one sense, we are Stone Age creatures. Our bodies are Stone Age, and here we are in, in these highly technological environments, totally abnormal for the way that we evolved. And yes, we're doing things. Um, you've heard of a runner's high? Endorphins? Right. Uh, You know, you get out there and you start moving or whatever, and you you have these wonderful experiences and whatnot. You can alter your chemistry by um, basically having activities. Uh, Meditation, among others. The the idea, though, of eye movement is very intriguing. And I I can't tell you, oh, yeah, I know the chemical basis. I know what you're talking about. But that's a very interesting idea and and i will see if i can find out a little bit more about it yeah um, but yeah the idea of anxiety builds up and then the next thing you have is adrenaline and boy yeah that will that will cook you in a yeah. yeah yeah i, I, I mean I, essentially I um i mean the way this was put you know i mean immediately when i mentioned this to my wife she says well what about when we read books <laughs> i was like well i don't know what the difference is between that other than it's a bigger eye movement on a screen than it is a book, and does that matter? I don't know. Um, well, is, it, it be, is, is it even the same? As I, I mean, told I, you, when I edit this show and I stare at the screen for too long, mm-hmm. my eyes just uh, as a almost a, a nervous twitch or something start just dart back and forth automatically. Bup, 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 you know, mm-hmm. bup, 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 and you're like, whoa! It's like a knee jerk type eye reaction. That right. that doesn't happen when I read books. I, I mean, I think there's something about the light beaming into you or sitting that so too, close yeah. to this light. Well, the other thing is the screen flashes. Oh, yeah. There, true, there's yeah. a flash rate, and that can affect you. You know, I, I discount none of this. Okay, mm. I, I Seriously, I discount none of it. I think it, it's a very intriguing idea. It, it, there's other things ladled on top, too. And, and again, take this, you know, I'm as good a psychologist as Bud Hunt. No, never mind. I'm not going <laughs> to Okay, but... Um, Needless to say, let me just wax poetic here for a moment. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about is why don't people get it? And the other thing is that, that I've heard you mention on this show, or just right now, and before, when you said, I don't want to do this anymore, I have too many things. We're all time-challenged, and we're very frustrated because we're putting out what we feel is very good data, and they ain't getting it. Mm-hmm. They ain't, you know, it's just not you know, like, come on, people, i got other things to do. And you get that ladled in. You know, and all that stuff just starts to cook. Hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's just one more possibility that, in addition to anxiety, there's this feeling of of a time challenge and a little bit of of frustration that you know folks that should understand don't. And uh, as a teacher, trust me, you always have those issues. Like, you know, come right. on, how many times do I have to say this? Well, I mean, this this was the kind of thing that was kind of presented to me. And and here's the other part. And and I know. Well, at least one member of our audience probably isn't going to like this, and I'm sorry, John. Um, but the aspect of video games was also brought up in this in this conversation, and this was what rattled my wife the most. I was told, point blank, um, you may not notice your behavior after you've been playing a night of uh, you know Halo or any number of games that I play with the Xbox, but those around you 
do. And so I asked my wife, I said, you know, uh, before Christmas, I was playing a hell of a lot of Halo and, and having a great time with it. I said, did you notice that I, did I act any different? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you and, you and your son both uh, are very, like, no one's moving fast enough for you and get out of my way. And you're both easily agitated uh, at that point. And, and I think a lot of people wrongfully point to that as, well, look at the violence in video games, which I don't discount, but I think, you know, as a 43 year old male, I know the difference between, you know, going grocery shopping and uh, shooting aliens in Halo. Um, but uh, I could see the effect on young kids, but I, I, I'm not seeing that for me. I can see how some people can get uh, incredibly addicted to them and become obsessed with them. And I, I understand all that. But this, again, related to eye movement in that when you're playing this game, your eye movement, again, is mostly lateral. And, uh, and you are looking for a predator. Uh, and don't think that part of the attraction to that game is not your species' need to, to defend and, be, you know, and, 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 uh, and kill and to do this. And so the, the end of the discussion was essentially that if this could be somehow substantiated in any meaningful way, that perhaps the way that information is presented on a screen could be acknowledged and then changed uh, to make it uh, just as user-friendly, but maybe not invoke this kind of, of, uh, of brain chemistry response. Uh, whether or not that's going to happen, who in the hell knows? I mean, it's all about the almighty dollar and how fast they can put out the next iPhone. <laughs> uh, but, I, I, you know, I mean, this is, this is uh, if, it, if it ends up going, getting legs and walking out and making some kind of revolution of the way data is presented, maybe more efficiently than it is now, then fantastic. I mean, that's all about it. But the, the answer to this was that you can talk about this. And I've never been told that I can talk about this like openly because apparently this is some sort of real, real, real problem <laughs> that could end up with very serious ramifications in our future because of something so incredibly mundane and simple to us uh, that we're not even, even aware that technology is actually doing this. Um, well, that's and what so, I find interesting. I mean, if he mentioned what this chemical is, and it's in the English language, then is it a chemical that has been discovered? Uh, oh, serotonin, yeah. Well, not serotonin. He said it was something that sounded like serotonin. Serotonin or seronin or it's something with an S, and it sounds like that. And I'm sorry to say, I just I just don't remember the exact pronunciation of it, but it sounded unfamiliar to me. You know, and, are there and, other chemicals that sound like serotonin but aren't <laughs> that you can think of? Not right offhand, but um, I'll ask some of the uh, pharmacology people. We have some really expert uh, folks here on uh, in basically pharmacology and medications and human behavior. Mm. So I, I will ask them. Um, yeah, I mean, serotonin is a, a basically uh, tryptophan-like, amino acid-like uh, substance and a neurotransmitter, uh, and there are many. There are quite a few of those, and uh, and they do have uh, targets and uh, differential effects. And, and just like you're aware, uh, epinephrine, uh, adrenaline, can hype you up, and that's what it's meant to do. Mm. Uh, and you know, I mean, and that 
those things, if you don't control your um, levels of uh, these hormones, you get yourself upset all the time, uh, you will have some very interesting physiological issues. Well, what is, what, is there such a thing as a, an adrenal disorder? Oh, many. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, I doubt that you have it. Seriously, because I hope by age, well, by age 43, you would have the diagnosis if you had something seriously awry. Uh, okay. it, would, it would be out there in your record. You would know. Mm. Um, now, I think you have the same thing we all have is, is too much to do, not enough time to do it. Uh, you know, feelings that uh, people aren't all pulling on the rope the right way. Um, mm. you know, well, I, I mean, I, I will say this, and I, I don't mind saying this on the show either. Um, I do have... Um, panic attacks uh i do have uh, an unusually and jeremy can attest to this an unusually high pressure job uh that that uh, you know is is not only it well it's, it's of course i work in the art field so it's like de- be creative on demand that type of thing oh yeah uh, that's pressure <laughs> yeah well and then it's double pressure because the deadlines are borderline absurd uh for what is expected but i always meet them so it's like i will do what it takes to get the job done um, and I, I've had panic attacks that have been really debilitating, um, uh, to the point that at work, um, and the oddest part about it to me is that I'm not engaged in a particularly high stress. I've just come out of a high stress, uh, job that I was gravely concerned would not go out on time. And this is all very time sensitive stuff. And I'm just talking to a coworker. And all of a sudden, it just felt like I had no legs. And I began to walk, and it, everything just kind of felt uh, disoriented and a little dizzy. And my heart started pounding. And I had to literally lay in the back room. I had to lay down on a couch uh, in a meeting room and just calm down. Yeah. Uh, uh, my coworker said that my, my face and my hands looked like they were made of plastic because it, I didn't even look real. I was so pale. Um, and I was fine, but ever since then, I i mean, generally, when something happens like that, your first thought is, am I having a stroke? Am I having a heart attack? Yeah. Uh, what is going on? And then you fear that feeling again, and so you bring another one on. That's how anxiety works. And um, And I've got it under control now, but this was this discussion with this whatever – um, talking about computer usage, game usage, um, eye movement, uh, and all of that, is said that essentially that's what that is for me. That's my reaction to it, is that I have panic attacks that seemingly come out of nowhere. Uh, and at times I do. I mean, I could be doing anything, and all of a sudden it just hits, and I have no idea why. I have been medically examined. I do not have a uh, mitral valve prolapse. I don't have that because that was checked, which can produce a similar effect as a panic attack. It is simple anxiety, and this was said to be the reason for it. So if that's the case, you know, I refer back to a show that we did with, am I right, Jeremy? Maggie Jackson, right? Uh-huh. Where she talked about the need to unplug. Um, and so my family is now on uh, – <laughs> Is now on quarantine from the machine for uh, except a half an hour a night, um, and that's it. Uh, so we, when we come home, it's unplugged time, and we're going to do this for the next couple of weeks and see how everybody feels. If there's a noticeable difference, 
Uh, but I'd be very curious to see what what uh, what your chemist and, and pharmaceutical guys come up with in the way. Yeah, of, I'll, I'll um, ask them. But I think the idea of unplugging sounds brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's easy, and you can give it a try. And and you have somebody, your wife, who can give you an assessment of how she perceives things. Mm-hmm. Because we can't really perceive ourselves that accurately. You need somebody no. close to you who really knows you mm-hmm. and say, you know, knock it off. You know, or what is yeah. your problem? Yeah. Um, personally, to me, this was very strange because this kind of, of thing has never been outwardly said before to me. And I'm not sure what really brought it on. I mean, usually... Uh, yes, you are. I, no, no, I, no, I'm not. We had I the mean, after chat discussion about your anger, and then the dude was like, "Well, yeah, really I don't mean, know what makes you angry." There's that, but I, I don't, I don't know that that was necessarily um, something that was that I personally focused on for. I mean, we had the discussion; that was pretty much it. Um, whereas a lot of other stuff has been like, clearly, they're listening really? to Paratopia, whoever, right. whoever <laughs> these ethereal <laughs> beings are, huge fans of the show. Yeah, uh, I mean. You know, it it wasn't there wasn't the level of focus that normally has to accompany something happening, um, which is a little off to me. But uh, even still, that's that's what it was. So you don't you don't find this out of the ordinary for eye movement to have that kind of effect, which is interesting. Well, I think it, I think it's something within the realm of possibility. Uh, I do know there are people studying eye movements in relation to web pages to see where people look and how long they dwell. And uh, uh, such things as that. So there must be somewhere, uh, you know, some uh, knowledge on what some of the effects of these things are. Uh, I don't know, but I would think that the military would would have quite a bit of of knowledge because they have people, uh, you know, watching screens to follow Osama bin Laden or somebody for long periods of time and try to blow them up. And so they probably have a good feel for what kind of fatigue can set in, what kind of psychology that involves. But I doubt that's ever going to be literature that, that I could get to. Mm. Well, what, what do we, when we talk about, um, I mean, and we see this warning all the time on everything from 3D movies to video games. We see this, uh, you know, if you're epileptic, you know, the, the flashing or the flashing of colors and all of that kind of thing. Can you, because I, I, I find this curious in the sense of, also, visual hallucinations have been associated with uh, flashing lights, um, uh, flashing c- patterns and colors and that sort of thing. Do, do you know what kind of triggers that kind of response? I mean, you had mentioned earlier that you can get very uh, physical responses from some of these uh, outside stimulus that, that you can actually feel without question. Um, how, how does that work in, in, with the brain? I can't, I can't tell you the exact mechanism, but I, have, I understand that is a fact that uh, uh, epileptic, uh, in some people, seizures can be induced by these conditions, such as flashing lights. But I don't know what, the, what exactly that mechanism is. Hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's known. Uh, and again, I can ask our uh, pharmacology guy if he happens to, to know and get back to you. But uh, that's something I just don't happen to have right on the top of my head. Yeah, I'll be curious about that. In terms of asking around and asking colleagues, are you able to ask people who are actually doing these um, these uh, eye movement studies? I mean, do you know people? I mean, we're ignorant of this, I guess, and so we're just assuming, well, either Tyler will know or he'll know somebody who knows. Um, is that a dumb assumption? 
No, I don't know someone directly, but this is exactly what you do is you run down the hall and I'll talk to a colleague named Laszlo Karishan, who happens to be an MD, uh, teaches our pharmacology class, teaches the whole thing. And I'll start with him. And then he might give me a hint as to somebody, and then I'll just keep following that thread. Uh, but it's, it's very interesting how balkanized, siloized, however you want to put it, academic research is that it can be really hard to know right off the top of your head who at my own institution might be a real font of knowledge. And so you just have to start asking. Uh, it's one of the reasons that interdisciplinary research can be so challenging. We don't talk to each other. We get into our own little worlds and we stay there. And it's much more comfortable that way. Okay? I, mean, I don't have people give me a bad time about you know, this or that um, in, in my own little universe. I, I can control everything. When, when I come out and start talking about abduction research, you know, mercy. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, Katie bar the door. Here they come. <laughs> have you talked to them about that? Uh, some. And some people think, uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, but uh, they're really not going to pursue this. And the reason is because they'll look at it and say, not worth my time. Right. See so you, you know, move on. Well, why do you look at it and say it is worth your time? Uh, just something that's interesting. And uh, for me, with the whole UFO thing, I started at about age 12. And uh, I happened to see Frank Edwards, the author, uh, journalist, on TV talking on the Mike Douglas show. Uh, we had it in our area way back then about his book, Flying Saucers, Serious Business. And I just, I could afford that. It was like a 50-cent paperback. And I got that, and then I got everything I'd get my hands on for the next three years uh, until the Condon Report came out, and that pretty much ended it hmm. for a long time. Uh, the other thing was I went through a socialization process about what is and what is not acceptable in science. And UFOs, flying saucers, all that stuff became unacceptable. And so we didn't discuss it. I let it drop. Uh, well, you know, it's funny. I see you on UFO updates. I think the, the latest thing that you had written in response to somebody there about um, about looking at uh, Hopkins and Jacobs' research um, is that you wouldn't do it on the grounds that uh, they may have, uh, what, shared the names of their clientele who should have remained anonymous? Yeah, that's actually not on the updates. Oh, it isn't. That was that was a note uh, to you guys, an email, on top of an updates query, and I just wanted to make everybody uh, aware. I think Gary had said, uh, Gary Hayden had said that I stand ready, and that's fine. You know, I'm not not quibbling with his statement, but I wanted everybody to be clear that um, I do have constraints, and that one of them is that if I get human subjects uh, or samples from human subjects, if I do research that involves either. The IRB, the Institutional Review Board protocols, must be followed exactly, and they will be. And um, uh, there are also other limitations that I, I'm not going to take a you know a piece of junk, something I know will not yield me anything, and study that. I mean, I, I just have to say that there are some limits. Uh, but the the problem that I have with um, Mr. Hopkins and David Jacobs is, and just realized it with some of these questions on UFO updates, is that I really cannot accept samples from them. And the reason is because I don't know what's going on. There are all these accusations out there. I don't know what the truth of them is. Um, did Dr. Jacobs do research or not? Okay. Uh, 
whatever. That's that's the other university's decision. I know how it works here, and and I know how I work, and I can't get involved with people like that. I'm sorry, and I, I hope that people don't think that I'm being um, horrible or whatever. And and I don't know what the truth is, uh, and that means that I just have to let that go. That you know I might be able to say yeah take this over here or whatever, but I'm not going to risk my uh, situation, standing, reputation, or whatever, working with people that um, they have this kind of of um, cloud hanging over them. Perhaps they'll dispel it. I hope so, but I ain't going there. And that's the that's the the bottom line. Anyway, that was not on UFO updates. That was just uh, out to some people I thought would be interested, just so that everybody knew that I, I can't just pick it up and do it. I can't just sequence the stuff. Um, I'm not allowed to uh, use the the funding that I have for projects that really weren't covered for it and that there will be other considerations as well. So I know that's probably a longer answer than you wanted, but uh, them's the facts. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I posted that on our message board. <laughs> so I'll take that <laughs> down immediately. You know what? It's fine. Uh, uh, it's too late. I just took it down. I, I thought that that was that you were saying that that was on UFO updates. I no, no. That was private. Whoops. Yeah, and it's um, it, it's one of those things that um, I think you know we're we're trying to be clear that I don't know what the facts are, but I know how research would be defined at our institute and um, how uh, I would do things, and I just have to to say uh, I would decline to take samples from these guys after thinking about it. I just I can't. I just can't. Uh, you can't you can't do this halfway. And uh, I, I have heard accusations of impropriety, and I, I don't know, and I'm not going to find out. Right. And um, you can't turn a blind eye. Otherwise, you're violating your ethics. And then what do you have? So I, I'm not doing it. Well, I know you did definitely speak on UFO updates about the uh, alleged star child skull. Yes. Uh, is that something that you could do something with? Yes, it is. Um, I haven't been asked. And um, it's not polite of me to try to invite myself into somebody else's work, but I have communicated with Mr. Pai, and when he first said he, he was sequencing, um, I sent him an email saying, oh, when are you going to release the sequence? Are you going to wait till the whole thing's done? Could I have some? Uh, because uh, the whole genome will take a long period of time, and I thought maybe he was going to do things piecemeal. He indicated that he was not, and, uh, and I understand and support that decision. Um, but... Uh, yeah, that could that would be something uh, that I could uh, conceivably help with. I mean, we'd have to go through, and and uh, the funding would be an issue, and all the other uh, ancillary concerns. But I believe they could be worked out. Um, what he has, I don't know. But what I love is his approach, and uh, I think it's gutsy. How much easier to sit there and and be the misunderstood genius, and and go on the lecture circuit forever, and never answer the question. You know, just keep stirring the pot. He well, chose yeah, I, I, I can see what Jeff's answer to this is going to be, which is uh, that he's just going to keep doing this until he finds the person that's going to say what he wants them to say. Oh, that's cool, uh, because that's easy to, to um, refute uh, if it comes to that. And again, I haven't seen the data, don't know what he has, uh, but at some point he'll have to produce the sequence, and he'll have to tell people under what circumstances that was analyzed with the computer and how he's getting his matches or lack of the matches. Uh, it, it'll, the data is going to tell all. 
Okay, and there won't be anywhere to hide at the end of that. There will not be anywhere to hide. The data will make or break his hypothesis. Uh, based on what you do know about the Star Child Skull, uh, do you think that the, there is a, an incorrupted or incorruptible sample that can be used? Or do you think that that's always going to end up being a problem? Because hasn't that been a problem in the past that, that the sample is – there's something about it that's not quite right or not quite usable? When you have the old samples, it's always an issue. Qual data quality is always an issue. Uh, it could be that they will not be able to uh, basically complete the whole genome or get as many passes through as they would like for high-quality data. Uh, I think there should be something there. Uh, I even suggested to him that there might be ways to get some um, data uh, that would not depend on the actual sequencing, uh, but and those are just you know thoughts, and um, it, it wouldn't be as, as labor-intensive and whatnot. But, um, yeah, the one thing to keep in mind is that last year, uh, Svante Pabo's lab actually presented uh, the entire genomic sequence of reasonable quality of uh, Neanderthals. And uh, I forget how old they were, but they were probably quite a bit older than uh, Mr. Pye's skull by a large, large margin. I shouldn't say Mr. Pye's skull, the star child's skull <laughs> by a large margin. And so, it, and that was considered technically impossible not too long ago. And, and Pabo's group has, has solved this and, and gotten data. And they are not without controversy, okay? I mean, it's, it's interesting how this will go, and that story may change. But they got sequenced data uh, from thousands upon thousands of year old samples. Mm -hmm. Have you heard from uh, anyone in ufology or uh, just even listeners since? since our show or since the article? Uh, the only thing that I've gotten has been on uh, UFO updates, um, and that's after uh, some postings that I made, and, and those have been basically fine. Um, you know, I mean, you can, you can look and see what's there. But uh, no, uh, what you're looking at here is a pariah, okay, in its purest form. And... Uh, uh, I often, uh, just, just to give you a sense of perspective, when I have reached out to people who have had samples, roughly 50, or I thought had samples or, or could use uh, help, roughly 50% of them clam up and shut up, and I never hear back from them. And a couple of others have actually been very anxious to have even just some simple things that I could do. But by and large, uh, I think it's 50% or 60% nothing. It's like I, I didn't even send them the email. Hmm. So, interesting. No, you know, the uh, large lights of ufology, they don't know who I am. And, uh, you know, that's not unexpected. Uh, the other thing you have to keep in mind is that I don't actually do any UFO research except little projects for a few people here and there none of which have been published, and all of that data is owned by those guys. Uh, so I'm not really, uh, in, in any sense of the word, uh, a UFO researcher. So there's no reason for them really to work with me. In fact, there's every reason to fear me. Uh, I was just kind of hoping one of these puppy mill abductee women would get back to you about... Oh, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> ...about their baby uh, cells. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help them, okay? Uh, we'll, um, that, so you hear that, that, ladies? No scraping your vagina for Dr. Tug Coke John. It's not going to happen. <laughs> totally editing that out. <laughs> oh, God, I hope so. Uh, the uh, um, 
after the IRB approves it, maybe, but I don't think I can get a lot of this stuff through the, the IRB. Uh, simple uh, DNA analyses, samples, whatnot, like forensic stuff, yes, uh, but the rest of it, I don't, I don't think so. Well, and that's, just, that's, you know, ahead, I'm I, sorry. I was trying to tell the, uh, the person, um, uh, Mr. Galenis, who's asked some excellent questions on UFO updates, uh, exactly where I stood. And, and why was I badgering these people? Uh, they earned it. And, and why, you know, don't I do it? Well, one thing is I'm really not in a, in a position to, and the other is uh, I don't want to do it. Okay. And I just went <laughs> out there and said, you know, man, I know what this is. And uh, no, it's their mess. Money. They need to come forward and uh, pony up with the data. Well, I, I mean, I would have to say, I mean, I was on UFO updates for a little while, and I have to say, your discussions in there, and I know you're a doctor and all, so I'm wondering, can you tell me what pharmaceutical uh, you know, substance that you're consuming to be able to talk in that place in such a calm, mannerly way, because I would like you to, to make me a script for it. Well, um, because uh, that's not uh, always the case. Because <laughs> okay. uh, I'll tell you, I mean, uh, I, I, I mean, for a while I did nothing but read that, and it seems to be just like every. And it's not. I'm not digging at UFO updates because you know, uh, it, it's just the same as anywhere else. It, it is by and large been this very, uh, uh, I don't know. It's the Colosseum. It's it's uh, it's gladiator battle back and forth of Will's beliefs and everything else. It's just like every place else on the net that discusses this. And you walk in there, and it's like the whole tone changes. <laughs> so well, congratulations yes no. on achieving those small feet. I'll tell you that because I've not ever seen that done ever, ever. Yeah. Okay. We'll see how long it lasts. Uh, I hope well. it does. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I hope that um, there's probably a novelty aspect that people don't quite know what to make of me, and mm -hmm. that's why I've tried to, to just lay it out there so there aren't revelations that come out later as best I can. Uh, but tomorrow could be very different, mm -hmm. and uh, that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, and the other thing is that uh, at any time I can just push the delete button and, <laughs> and say, I'm, I'm done. I'd rather not, but I can. And if people get uh, to the point where it's all about, um, you know, uh, ad hominem attacks, uh, I will say, okay, have fun. Right. See ya. Right. Well, that's why you're a, a respected doctor and professor and we're podcast hosts. Well, okay, but I have not always had such a great record. <laughs> uh -oh. Also, yeah, uh, you also have seen here a learning process. And one of the things that that I learned was um, what works in the scientific community doesn't always translate to the real world. And in particular, uh, when I was first criticizing very, very heavily UFO hunters, mm -hmm. um, I got too into sarcasm and, uh, and other, you know, just trying to be funny kind of stuff, uh, and the message got lost. Right. And a lot of people go, oh, ha, 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 that was a good one. But that's not what I, I wanted. And the thing was that really got lost was that uh, despite its scientific faults, which were many, in my opinion, uh, UFO hunters did have some of the right ideas. And one of the things was on-the-ground investigations and 
rolling over the data. I, I like that. I didn't like how they actually did some of this stuff, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, if you talk to my colleagues, that's all we do is argue. Really? And so this is yeah. normal. Uh, but what I, I did learn is that you can get that message lost so fast. And I, I wish that I had not um, said those things, but they're out there or the way that, I mean, I'm not taking back what I said, but the way that I said it, I would definitely improve that. Well, and I'm yeah. definitely not sending you my book because it's, it's all oh, sarcasm. You, you got <laughs> I need, you know, I need other perspectives, but uh, one of the things that was very interesting is I posted those critiques on the UFO magazine site and, uh, they were kind enough to not change a single word. And they stayed there the whole time. I was never banned. I was never um, told to shut up. Nothing. They left them up there. And that says volumes to me about what Bill Burns holds dear or believes, however you want to put it. Okay, again, I'm not a fan of how the show was done, but I sure respect that. And... Um, not yeah. every place does that, as you know. Yeah, I got to say, you know, Nancy, uh, uh, Leslie Gunter and, and Nancy Burns run the forum. And uh, yeah, they're really, I mean, they, they, I mean, they've got a guy in there who's, you know, in my, my eyes is sort of a cyber stalker almost, just constantly trying to get them for some perceived uh, screw over, you know, one time screw over, you know, maybe a year ago. And so. It's like his life's mission to sort of needle them, and they won't get rid of him because they feel like, uh, you know, they're they're heavy into the freedom of speech of the message board, even if it's a, a detriment to them or their image. Um, You've got to respect that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just so tempting not to do that, and I can even see how it might even have to happen. When I first put up the first um, post there, I thought this is going to last one tenth of one second, and totally wrong. And that was the first time that I was wrong many times about uh, what uh, people would do and react to. And that should tell you something, too, that uh, scientists make plenty of errors, okay? And like a lot of people, maybe they don't always like to admit them, but you've got to see them and grapple with them and, uh, you know, be forthright. And, I mean, that, that's the difference is that instead of making excuses, uh, with uh, data or whatever, you have to come back and say, that didn't happen. Now, why didn't it happen? And, and be honest with yourself. That's tough. That's a tough thing to do. Hey, hey, can I ask a question, Tyler? Yeah. What are you in this field for? I mean, what are you, why are you even engaging this at all? Because it's fun and it's fascinating. And uh, I, I still, I sit there and I think, you know, uh, I realize there are probably... Uh, is Jack Filet? I read his book. That um, what was it? Uh, uh, where he he um, just kind of described what all was going on, and and I agree. There are so many hands during this pot that it's just really intriguing. You know who is doing what and why, uh, and in that in the whole thing, is there a signal? And I don't think that we we have completely exhausted all the possibilities. And as I think Jeremy was saying, my God, we don't even know our own minds, right? let alone the minds of aliens or technology that could be, uh, you know, who knows how many thousands of years advanced. So I, I just don't put any limits on anything. I, I'm one that wants to root it out as best I, I can. 
Have you ever had any kind of experience at all with anything that you would deem off the chart weird? Uh, you've seen the the uh, video alien abductees and pregnancy. Uh huh. Where do you think the dude with the dark hood came from? Uh, okay. <laughs> He's not seven feet tall. Right, right. It's something that scares me and always has the kid. I don't know if that means anything. Uh-huh. I, I haven't had really experiences like that. I have had one very brief UFO experience, a light that I couldn't explain. But it was very quick, and, and you know how it is. It could be, maybe not, or whatever. But that's the sum total of it. So wait, are you saying that you saw a seven-foot-tall being? No, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, but ever since I've been a kid, that image has bugged me, okay? Make of it what you will. Maybe there's something, you, you know, like, uh, Jeff, one day I'll wake up and I'll realize what's going on. But as he was telling me the experience, I'm thinking, you know, uh, wow, isn't that interesting? Maybe you know people just have the same images. I don't know. I don't know what it means. Well, I mean, I, I have to be honest and say that I really questioned that whole change of what the experience like presented in that way because I don't. Uh, I mean, back when all of this first came to my own realization of it, it was always them or. I referred to to this enigma as them, and now I don't. I just refer to it as the it or the other. Um, it's like a singular thing to me. I don't necessarily mean that's what I believe, that it's a singular thing, but that's how I refer to it now. And um, and I used to say this guy or this man, excuse me, and I still do to some point, but I almost want to call it an it. And And here's two really interesting things. I mean, one of them being that I seriously questioned whether or not it even happened the first time that, that I interacted with this, this, this thing. And, and then we had somebody on the show who I'd never spoken to in my life. And frankly, uh, our experiences seem uh, pretty different. Her outlook on it seems a lot different than my outlook on it. So it's not somebody I really related to all that much. Uh, but yet, she made a point to tell us that her experiences had changed and now she sees this black hooded being. And since then I've had half a dozen people say the same thing. I mean, Jeremy's met people who have related similar looking figures and, um, yeah, and here's people something who don't know Jeff or listen to the show. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's all this independent stuff that just comes out of nowhere. um, and here's another really interesting thing that I found out. We had Dr. Raymond Moody on the show, which you probably heard. And um, he started talking about the psychomantium, which is the mirror-gazing uh, type of thing that you do in a low-light situation. And there's supposed to be all, all sorts of uh, interesting, uh, potentially, quote-unquote, real or visuals uh, that you get with that. And when I read a lot more on the net about what is some of the most common visuals? And then also looking at his work that he did a case study on, one of the most popular things people saw were black hooded beings. How about that? I had and, no idea. And not only one, but two or three filing out uh, oh. of a mirror. I don't even know if I, if I regulate this to 
Um, well, I haven't, I haven't really put the alien abduction experience anymore. Is it even related to UFOs? <laughs> I mean, as dumb as that sounds, but I've like, I like really question whether or not it's even related at all. No, that's uh, a fundamental question that has yet to be really established. Yeah. There are so many basics in the field that have yet to be nailed down. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yet, you know, as your video demonstrated with the cards, uh, you know, there's been all of this foundation built on top of essentially nothing. And, and to me, I mean, I'm sure that there's going to be people in this audience who go, what are you talking about? It's fundamentally connected. People see a flying saucer or they see an orb or they see something. They've got missing time. And, and so, therefore, later on it leaks out that they've had this experience with aliens or they've had it all their life. And, uh, and to me, uh, at least for the past 12 to 15 years, uh, I've looked at the UFO phenomena as um, a symptom of something else, that it's not a, a device unto its own, that it's actually a sim- it's symptomatic of something bigger. Um, just like ghosts are probably a symptom of something bigger, whether or not they're they're connected, there's certainly parallels there. But whether or not they're you know joined at the hip at this as the same thing, I don't know. Uh, but I find it really interesting that this hooded guy keeps coming up, uh, and the descriptions of him are odd because the color blue comes up as well, like very very dark blue. Huh. I, I I can't put it off as I dreamed it or, you know, uh, it's not, uh, there's nothing real. I mean, when I did speak of it in depth on the show one time, but thankfully before it ever went out, you know, I got uh, whipped. <laughs> <laughs> I got whipped. I mean, I looked like I'd been, you know, strapped to a pole and whipped. And my back was a mess for at least a week. Holy cow. Um so that says, you know, I told you to keep your mouth shut. You Have don't you listen. Have you those photos, Tyler? <laughs> no. <laughs> no? Oh. <laughs> uh, no. Um, well, I'll send but, those to you. I mean, it, it's interesting because it's, I mean, it's all over his back. So as I had said on, on that show, and I don't remember if this went out because I know we had to re-edit everything a couple of times. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact is, at that point, either Jeff uh, and his wife or someone else are hoaxing me because... <laughs> They were showing me this before we even thought about doing a show about it, or this happened. You know, like either unless you got into a fight with a wolverine or a bobcat, <laughs> like these are our options because it's not in a place where he could reach. You know, with a knife or a you know scrape his yeah. back up. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, the problem is, is that I have to sit all day, <laughs> and yeah. I sit in a form-fitted chair, and it's not exactly comfortable. Um, you know, so I mean that that's. And it's, I mean, it it burned, it was sticky on my t-shirt, it was constantly getting pulled because, you know, they were, I mean, one of them I have a scar from, it's, it was deep and, and, uh, uh, apparently I should have had stitches in it, but, um, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of that kind of pain, you know, I mean, like every human, I like to be, uh, I, me and Jeremy were talking about this earlier, you know, it's like some desire to be angry at something because you know you feel like uh you identify with anger or with pain or something something like that. physical pain i ain't into uh <laughs> and that was definitely not pleasant at all um and so was uh, this uh was it um several spots across the back 
No, it's pretty much the whole back. <laughs> the whole back, okay. Pretty uh, much. Uh, there is a, a condition called, I was thinking shingles because I'm a microbiologist. Uh-huh. But that never, or I think almost never, will cross the center line, although hmm. it can be stripy and it can be very painful. Uh-huh. Uh, but sometimes it, we don't know what brings that on, and so maybe just psychic stress or upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this doesn't sound like... Uh, like no, I mean, in fact, I mean, I woke up, and it wasn't until I got about... Well, I mean, here's the the precursor to that, and I'm sure this is fine to say, that as I think I've said it before, in the middle of the night, uh, now I'm not going to... Let's, let's put the cards on the table. Uh, my beagle sleeps with us in the bed, but she does not come up between us because, you know, we've only got... Um, I mean, it's a it's a double bed, but it's it's not big enough, and uh, and and she tends to be. Here's another card on the table. She tends to be uh, very dreamy, and Jeremy can attest to that because she's he's seen her dream laying on the floor. Uh, she'll gallop and all of that sort of thing. Sure. Um, and I have had occasion where my wife is downstairs on the couch watching a movie, and I go up to bed, and of course. Indiana, my dog will follow me up, and um, she'll get in bed, and she gets up against me. They they feel a need to be up against you, but usually it's with their back to you, not yes. with their feet on you. Yes, and so that's what she does. And in the middle of the night, she starts having a dream, and she starts galloping, <laughs> and I immediately know because it jars me awake. This at this point, um. The only way that this could have happened with her scratching me, uh, and I can't imagine that this would be any different than any other time that I wouldn't wake up and go, knock it off, (laughs) (laughs) is that I'm laying on my stomach and I am awakened by essentially um, what feels like – here's the weird – little hands, very tiny hands. Uh, slapping me on the back, all over my back, and not even particularly hard. Yeah, but they were definitely fleshy and not dog paw. <laughs> I mean, they were they were you, you you got this kind of thing going on, and um, and I couldn't get away from it. It's like I couldn't. It wasn't that I was paralyzed, but I just couldn't uh, get myself into such a state as to move. And when I woke up in the morning, it was burning. I mean, it, it didn't even hurt like a cut. It burned like I was on fire. Uh, very severe sunburn. And when I went downstairs, I said, Lisa, look at my back. And I lifted my shirt up, and she just freaked um, and started telling me, you got to drop out of this. You can't be doing this anymore. Um, you know, because we've – her and I both have had some pretty – horrendous marks before um, associated with this and um, and she says that every time that I get very involved in it is when these things tend to happen um, and so you know, when she put the mirror up to my back I was like there's no way the dog did that right she's like uh no <laughs> I mean it's just it was pretty horrendous so um, all I know is that um Parts of it you can discuss, and parts of it are not for mass consumption. Um, and that's it. So, uh, you know, this this whole notion of the net and how we read things—that's been really one of the few things that I could say. You know, 
I'm supposed to talk to someone about this. And, uh, and, uh, and, you know, and Jeremy said, well, we're, we're having Tyler on, so you can ask him about it. So there it is. Um, uh, yeah, this is, this is interesting. I wish I had some kind of, you know, deep insight here. I, I just, it's kind of stunning. I don't know. Well, it'll be interesting to see what, what your guys have to say about it. And, um, you know, and, and at that point, you know, I don't, where the hell do you go from there? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, if that is the case, then, you, you know, I, I, God knows you're not going to turn Microsoft and Apple around to coming up with some kind of new way to read. Uh, but, yeah. You uh, never but, know. As soon as they yeah. can upgrade and sell you a new upgrade, they'll do it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but, uh, but maybe, it, it, maybe it's just the notion of, uh, of unplugging from it. And, um, you know. Or trying to limit taking a break. I know that's not going to happen when you're under pressure. Uh, mm-hmm. I've catch myself that there are times I stare at the screen, computer screen, for eight hours. Oh yeah. And, oh my God. And and you're just so fed up with it. Uh, but uh, you know, it's easy to say to take a break, but sometimes you can't. And yeah. Maybe that's the price. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, well, Tyler, I wanted to ask you. Um, working with Alzheimer's disease. Uh, well, I guess maybe an initial question is, do you have any uh, belief about what a human is beyond the body, or are you a materialist? I guess I'd have to say I, I don't know anything that makes me not a materialist, but I haven't really delved into this much at all. Uh, I just don't know much about uh, you know anything other. Um, you know, talking about quantum entanglements, that kind of thing, don't know. Well, just even in terms of, uh, I mean, what does it do for you to to work with Alzheimer's? And, you know, we all think that we are our thoughts, and and we are. Uh, But then you've got this this dementia that uh, scrambles all of that. Does that make it impossible for you to believe that that surface piece of us at least would go on in some eternal way, become a ghost, become a go-to-the-light Raymond Moody type of experience? No, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily say you have to equate the two. That... uh, uh, we can see how you're you're here when the brain doesn't function properly. All manner of things can happen. You know, just a little bit of of oxygen deprivation, and and uh, you can you can have all kinds of funny things. Uh, uh, so no, I I don't necessarily link them, uh, but you know, I haven't really spent a lot of time uh, pondering it either. Uh, so I don't really know. And do you have any idea? I, I remember reading uh, way back when, probably in the holographic universe or you know a book like that, that even though on some level it appears that that the brain um, has compartmentalized aspects of uh, memory, that that's not really true. That that if uh, you, you you take out one piece of the brain of the mouse. It'll still know how to run the maze. If you put it back in and take out the next piece, it'll still know how to run the maze, et cetera, et cetera. Sort of making the point that there is this uh, holographic memory. Um, is that true? <laughs> and if so, how does dementia happen? Well, interesting. I uh, I think that we could probably take a piece out of the mouse brain in such a way that it couldn't run anything. At at the end of that, that we can we could interrupt the process, and we know. Uh, roughly where some of these things are, um, but uh, in terms of of um, it being a, a distributed system, the brain being a distributed system, thought being um, or uh, higher order functions being in many places, mapping all over. Yes, they do. 
And uh, what happens with Alzheimer's uh, very at the very earliest stages is uh, tonight uh, you will go to, to bed and uh, your hippocampus, kind of in the center of your brain, will map memories of the day into various parts of the cortex. That's, that's its role. And Alzheimer's people lose that short-term mapping ability. And you, you got to basically um, have that in order to remember what happened to you five minutes ago, for example. That's the first thing they lose. But they retain, it's kind of interesting, they can remember stuff that happened to them 75 years ago as a child with complete clarity. And uh, so they, they, they don't have a handle on today, but man, do they remember their yesterdays for a while. And then it, it progresses. Well, so I don't know. Hard. I mean, my grandmother doesn't have Alzheimer's, but she had a bunch of heart attacks and then I think a stroke and, you know, so dementia definitely for sure uh, yeah. to where she doesn't just remember things from her childhood. She actually most of the time thinks she still is a child and she'll go from, you know, asking about her parents to asking about, you know, where is Ken, her husband who died. So she's all over the map in terms of who she thinks she is in time. Uh, what is that? How, do, how does that happen? Do you, do you have any idea? Do we know how that happens? Yeah, we probably, we probably can give you a rough idea, and, and that is the stroke part is very important, uh, and then they'll, they'll lose basically function uh, of the brain. And uh, one of the things that, that it does, it resembles the true senile dementia where she's not remembering so much uh, accurately who she is now but has all these memories coming back. Uh, yeah, it's similar to uh, classic dementia. And, and those things, uh, the classic dementia, really kind of begin in the hippocampus and radiate outwards. Uh, there are other neurologic syndromes, though, related to vascular health. And the heart attacks, too, probably took a toll. And if you can't keep the brain oxygenated, even if everything is there, it's not going to function right. Uh, and so it's, it's one of the most energy and oxygen-hungry parts of the body. And the second you interfere with that, cognition really suffers and quickly, very quickly. So I'm, I'm going to guess that what you have are global effects from basically poor circulation, specific deficits related to which part of the brain was specifically blocked by the stroke. And the neurologist will actually be able to map that out. They, they probably have it somewhere in your mom's or grandmother's chart. Well, and isn't that a bunch of uh, meditation, too? A bunch of meditation exercises, breathing exercises to bring on a certain, quote-unquote, state of consciousness, which is actually a state of biology, really. You can, and you can change what the, what the brain waves are doing. I guess a really adept person uh, can uh, bring on some of these states almost at will with a great deal of practice. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's um, my guess is that uh, you have a combination of bad effects with your grandmother. And, so uh, do you have any evidence uh, that there is a person that is trapped in time going through this um, who can't communicate with us, or or is that the person? Like, is, hmm. could she come out of it at one point and go, oh, my God, you, you, this is so tiring. I, You don't understand. One minute I'm a kid, the next minute I'm an old woman. Help. Or is that not possible because she is that person, you know, we, all we these fluctuations are her? We can never say... Not possible, but uh, you can go back and talk in terms of probabilities. And basically what that means is that a neurologist would look back and say, 
you know what, she's probably going to, this is the best you're going to expect, and she'll have a few more years or whatnot. But coming back, releasing the trap person, um, unlikely. But um, I can tell you a, a case when way back when I was a, a kid, uh, someone about my age uh, went to college, and, and they had a, a pill party where everybody threw pills into a big container, and they, they took the drugs, and he went into a coma. And, and they said to his father, who was a, a very big-name businessman and a friend of my dad, they said, you know what, we're going to have to pull the plug on him because he's brain dead, and he's never coming back. He was 19 years old. And his dad said, no, I, I know. He knows I'm here. And I tell a joke, and his eyes brighten up. And he knows, and they're going, yeah, come on, you're deluding yourself. Now, this is 1973 or four. And uh, he, he insisted he would not give up on his kid. That guy came back. He, he had a lot of deficits. The last time I saw him, he was in a wheelchair, but he was back cognitively. He returned. The neurologist said he was gone. So that's why um, Karen Ann Quinlan, I don't know if you guys remember, that's probably before you were born. Uh, but uh, there's, it, it's really hard to, to say, oh, no way. Uh-uh, we're done. There are a lot of things that we do not know and things that, that can happen. So, uh, you know, I, I don't say, ne- we never say never. Mm-hmm. Um, but probabilities, you know, this is the thing. The probabilities do mount up. Uh, it's the same thing as, as the alien abduction hypothesis, that if you want to parse the data and argue about it, uh, if you don't have the killer uh, positive uh, data, uh, you could do that forever if you're so inclined. And, uh, and never quite get to the bottom of it. There's always that shadow of doubt. But then again, uh, you know, now let me argue the other side. With the UFO story, I'll come back and say, yeah, I know there are a lot of things here that don't work, but there's still that interesting core of cases that cannot be dismissed nor easily explained. What are they? And, and I mean, you know, we, we'd like to, to hang on to hope there. So I guess it's just a balancing act. You can't go too far. Um, different when lives are in the balance. You know, when it's your grandmother or your son or whatever, you're not so inclined to say, okay, yeah, that's it. See ya. Right. I hope. Yeah. Jer, Jer, when you, when you talk about that trapped person, um, and, and, and maybe, uh, maybe Tyler, you can tell me what this is. I mean, uh, my grandfather died, uh, well, he died of pneumonia, but he had Parkinson's and, uh, uh, he had all kinds of delusions, uh, Obviously, both visual and and mental delusions. And uh, I remember seeing him in the hospital, and uh, he was a uh, a crane operator for his whole life, practically. And um, he actually thought in the hospital he was on a job site. And I remember him, this man who'd never yelled at me in his life, yelling me to get out of the way because I was going to get hit by a beam and that sort of thing. You know, I mean, he was literally there. Yeah. And and uh we were I was just so completely destroyed when I came home. I thought my grandfather is gone. I mean, he is gone. Uh I'm never going to be able to talk to that man again. And um the doctor told my mom, uh he needs to go home. Uh he needs to go home and uh when he gets home, you will notice a change. And I will never forget coming through uh the dining room into the living room and seeing him sitting in his chair. And I said, hi, Pop. And he said, hey, buddy. And it was just like he, he was there. It was – there was no – it was my my Pop that I knew. And I 
actually sat down and asked him, I said, do you remember being in the hospital? And he said, yes, I do. I said, do you remember what you were saying? Because you like yelled at me. And he got kind of choked up about it. He's like, I know what I said. All I can tell you is, is that I felt myself inside knowing I'm not right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what ha- – I'm trying to figure out like how that makes any sign- kind of sense because the way he kind of conveyed it was he was in there, but the body and, and the foremind is doing something completely different. But he's back there going, I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe this is, this is not real. You know, he's like, I knew this was wrong. Like this is not reality. But, but yet he, was, he couldn't stop it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Parkinson's does have a, a dementing quality, and the lesions are different than Alzheimer's, but dementia is uh, rather similar. And, and there actually are several different types of dementia, and they have uh, different biochemical bases. But uh, the scrambling and the blocking, the, the trapped man syndrome or whatever, mm-hmm. that, that I would think that would be consistent in getting back in his own environment where he's, he's more secure, and, and you saw the difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, I remember uh, my dad, before he died, uh, had a um, situation where he was in the hospital and he, uh, I went in to see him in intensive care and he told me to call the police and that yeah. uh, they were trying to kill him. Yeah. And I said, oh, okay, dad, okay, you know, I'll do it. Oh, no, I mean it. And, and he was just dead, serious. He was so agitated. But uh, they told me that was um, painkiller, morphine. Wow. That was doing doing this to him, and but he came out of it when we when he got out and he came back, he was fine, and I don't think he recalled any of it. Huh? Interestingly enough, I never I mean, really pushed him on it. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think, I mean, Jeremy, if you disagree with this, you tell me. But um, when Jeremy and I actually took the mushroom plunge, I had that feeling like out here is crazy, <laughs> but I'm in there going. I can't stop laughing. What is, and I, meanwhile, I'm, <laughs> you know, but inside I'm going, stop it. You know, what is going on? And, but my outward and, and part of my, I guess my mental facilities were just engrossed in something completely, uh, you know, in c- completely separate from that. And the thing that actually bothered me about that part of it was that, Eventually, I did lose the inside of me. I lost that part of me going, you know what this is. This is all – you're cool. Everything's fine. Just calm down. Take a deep breath. I mean that sort of thing. Yeah. That became lost at a certain point where what I called imagination or an imaginative place became all that there was. Like I didn't know. Um and then when my foot fell asleep, it jarred me out of it. And I, that's when the me inside came back and went, oh, my God. I mean, I was, not, I was gone. I was someplace else. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, I mean, Jeremy and I both described it as like induced psychosis. And, and I have to wonder if that's not what um, the schizophrenic, the uh, Parkinson's, dementia, uh, Alzheimer's. I mean, are they all in there? And – I mean, if if that's the case, then I mean, that is a horrifying prospect that anyone should have to endure that. It is. Uh, it is. I mean, I can't. You know, that, that my mom used to say to me about the man across the street. You know, there's there's nothing uh, so horrifying as what you can't possibly escape because it's in you. 
Um, oh, that's a good point. You know, I mean, um, but but you think that 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 does happen that they're they are in there at some point, but we just can't technologically, medicinally, we can't reach them. I think at some in some instances, for the mm-hmm. the end stage of Alzheimer's, the damage is is so severe. I don't think there there's any function there anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I really. My my best guess is, uh, looking at the the brain section, that'll give you quite a interesting thing. You're looking at a bit of gray and white matter from a person that maybe held their thoughts about their childhood or whatever, right there, and you're you're pondering that. But you see some of them, and they are hemorrhaged. And uh, when you look at them under the microscope, they are just shot through with uh, pathology everywhere. Uh, and you can see that the, the neurons. Are not only damaged, they're they're dying and dead in, mm. in those people. Uh, so I mean, it's just destruction and inflammation like you can't imagine. Does does the so, pineal gland look discernibly different in any of these people? You know, I've never I've never even looked. Uh, huh. I could I could ask uh, the guy that runs the lab. So I'm I work at uh, Banner Sun Health Research Institute as an adjunct. I'm not paid there. We have grants and that's how they defray the time that I leave the university to go there and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is an MD. And mm. so he's had uh, lots of experiences taking the brains apart and whatnot. And uh, he one time told me that uh, it's quite interesting when you have someone who's an alcoholic, mm-hmm. a long-term alcoholic, they have the greatest vessels, the healthiest vessels you've ever seen, blood vessels, but the brain shot. You know, huh. you, you're not going to win on this, but uh, so he's he's seen it and uh, and, and has you know really had his his hands in there so to speak and I can ask him uh, hmm. what uh, what his experience has been. Do you need us to jot down all of our questions for your colleagues? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, look at the epileptic seizures and lights and serotonin and right. something similar and um, the uh, the locked in syndrome. That there <laughs> there really is a real thing. Yeah, you know, in basically. Uh, uh, not in the face of uh, classic pathology, but there is something where these people cannot communicate. Uh, you know, I mean, it's really there. And, and there are other dementias. That, uh, one is called uh, FTD, frontal temporal dementia. And these people kind of lose their normal sort of sense of social control. And so they do outrageous things. And I'd never heard of, if they're aware of it, but if they are, they can't stop it. Do any of them do positive, outrageous things, or is it always destructive? Uh, that's a very good question. You, you know, you might find out that some of these people become quite creative. Uh, I don't know that for a fact, but uh, um, sometimes uh, release of inhibition is actually a good thing creatively. I think that's why you find out like a lot of writers and artists drink, because it yeah. gives them, you know, they just kind of let go. Otherwise, you're going to edit yourself to death. Or get into bathtubs on film. What? <laughs> <laughs> or get into bathtubs with family friends on the film. Oh, oh yeah. And, and then we can put that all on YouTube and uh, get all the all the input. We'll call it input from that point yeah. on. Uh, I think we should stay away from that word input. Uh, <laughs> In any event, it was good having you here. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, Tyler, we, we wanted to have you on for a half hour. And now you've given us uh, an entire episode. So, well, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of interesting that uh, there's really not much to say from my standpoint about what Bud had to say. 
Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, okay, and I think we're done from that standpoint. Right. Yeah. He, he did not offer much, and I don't expect much, to be honest. And um, I know those guys would like it to be about anything, anything but what they did. And I guess if I was in that situation, I'd be trying to get dead guys to post how great I was on the web. Did I, did I not understand the John Mack as a testimonial to him on the web or on <laughs> well, my mirror? Yeah, I think it's a uh... – yeah, I don't know that he wrote it. Uh, oh, I hope not today. But, uh, <laughs> oh God! But I don't know that but, he didn't because that's Paratopia. <laughs> I don't know. Probably want to edit that out too. <laughs> right? But, uh, I'll add it to the uh, list. Uh-huh. God, uh, there just really there. There's not much there, and, and scientifically, we're not making any progress. And I hope that uh, that changes. And. Um, I frankly don't care if it's Bud or David, you know, who does it, but I hope that somebody decides to uh, to move forward. Mm. Uh, this isn't getting us anywhere. Well, we're trying. Yes, yes. But uh, for, as the teacher, I can tell you that you do have to repeat yourself to the point where you're exasperated. And, uh, you know, just keep getting the message out there. Right. So... I mean, in, in one sense, you guys actually are teachers, like it or not. Yeah. Welcome to my world. <laughs> wow. Yeah, wow. Huh. <laughs> so, but I tell you, I hadn't, I wasn't going to uh, kid you here. I'm, um, I hadn't thought we'd be talking about the dude in the black hood. And that, that's something I hadn't really thought about for quite a while. I put it in the, the video because it is something that has terrified me forever and I can't even exactly say why but now you're really getting me intrigued because we have all these anecdotal coincidences you know what is the basis of this well I guess we will leave it on that note of mystery and um, we may not be able to know who or what the man in the black hood is but perhaps he has given us something that we can figure out scientifically which is you know rapid eye movement with the release of some chemical, you know, that dates back to uh, hunter-gatherer days. I don't know. Um, but we will definitely follow back up with you on that. And uh, thank you again for coming on the show and yes. uh, for being friends with us. And if, you know, we, we do a lot of private emailing our, our little click of friends. And, and if it gets too much for you, just, just let us know. <laughs> the only thing I ask is that Carol Rainey not tell me anything more because I can't take it. <laughs> Every time she tells us something, I have a heart attack. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> there's that. Yeah. So uh, no, the emailing and all that is is fine. It's fun. All right. Great. Well. So take care and thank you again for, uh, for yes, all your thank time. You. Hello, this is Raymond Moody, and you are listening to Paratopia. So the Jeff. And so the Jer. And so it begins. I was talking. Yeah, I think it's actually, I think we're at the end actually. So go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus. That's a different show that those jokes are for a, a whole other show. Um, I was talking to my friend, Melissa Reed today, who 
listeners may recall, was uh, in the Georgia Guidestones episode. And I was telling her about um, your interaction with Mr. Shroud Man and what he said about the computers. And um, she brought up a really good point, which is how far does that extend? Do you think that, I mean, if you trace back when Wall Street really started becoming a criminal enterprise, does it go back to sitting in front of computers all day long? Like, what are the other ramifications? If you look at uh, these, you know, kid killers with guns, you know, walking around a hypnotic state, is this affecting them? If you have um, a teen who is sort of psychotic to begin with or a sociopath to begin with and you create this further chemical imbalance, you know, is that what's going on? I mean, who knows? But certainly there there are some great implications here for, for what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think of it in, uh, I guess I have to draw, um, <laughs> somewhat more, I don't know if you call it, uh, uh, lesser evils to that, but, um, you know, look at, um, look at, I would say just take an overall bit slice of people and look how you've seen people change since the internet really took off. I mean, what, I, I, I'm, I didn't even think today, um, you know, what point did the internet really take off and what point did everybody kind of jack in and this became like a big deal? And I don't really know. It was, it was a gradual thing, but uh, 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 one of the things I thought about about me and I asked my wife about was, uh, you know, I've been on the net in one incarnation or another um, since it's well, since there were bulletin boards when there wasn't any internet, I remember uh, actually Lee Townsend, the past guest, uh, was the guy uh, who you know I first chatted with online because he came over. He says they got these great things called modems, and you got to go get one, and and that way we can plug it in the phone line and talk, and and then that kind of blossomed for me into. Uh, a message board or a bulletin board rather uh, called the Launchpad, which was out of Maryland and uh, a little burb somewhere. And I began that. So I asked, uh, I asked my wife, Lisa, the other night, I said, um, before the net came around, was I happier? <laughs> and she's like, um, yes, yes, you were. <laughs> um, well, here's the other good thing about you know, uh, Melissa is that she isn't on the internet. She doesn't have a computer. She just got a computer a few weeks ago for the first time. She got a laptop. Wow. She has no idea even how to use it. Wow. Right. Um, <laughs> and so uh, she said to me, you know, I, I, it was like one of those aha moments. She's like, I knew it. I've been telling my friends this, you know, whenever I see them. Online, they're always more irritable. They're always meaner. Right. You know? Uh, right. And they're always short. You know, they're always short with you when, when they're online. And yeah. and she's like, I knew it. I just knew it. I didn't know what it was. But yeah. so I think this really resonates and makes a lot of sense. Um, the only thing is, you know, we were talking about, I think, just privately uh, in terms of watching TV or playing video games. There's something about being hypnotized by that light, sharing at the, sti- the staring at the shiny object, 
and being hypnotized by it, and you don't want anyone to interfere with that. You, you know, they get in the way, you're like, ah, sit down. You know, you just sort of slur yeah. some, like, get out of here kind of thing. Don't bother me. Shut up! And I don't know that that can really be attributed to a chemical re- release in the brain or just this, whatever that hypnotic connection is, but maybe they're all a piece of the same puzzle. Uh, I mean, good point. I don't know. Um, y- you know, it it occurred to me today, uh, going to work, that I've spent, um, you know, I, li- I live a-, a good distance from work, and so I spend a lot of time on the road. And one of the things that I've noticed lately is um, just the craziness of driving. And I-, I don't know how far that extends beyond the borders of my own town, but uh, uh, I think I think it's it's been pretty evident to me today that um, even driving habits you know that the nature of road rage and uh, how how careful people drive is light years different from when I first started driving I mean it continues to get worse and when I sat and thought about that today at work I was like you know what it seemed like when everything got plugged into the net and all this interaction started all this interactive uh uh, you know, everything being interactive. That's when I noticed, yeah, it, it is kind of weird that it, there became an, a more aggressive thing on the road, you know, and, and none of this says that the internet is bad and you all should stop using the internet and all. It's not that I think it is. Um, it's more along the lines of um, everything in moderation, I guess is the, is, is, is the feeling I get about it. Well, I think it might be, uh, the thing that you think won't happen, which is uh, invention that that this needs to be discovered for reals and invented, you know, invent a workaround. You know, there's got to be some way to make it so that this isn't how we perceive the thing in front of us. You know, right, right. Well, I wonder if it's you know if, if the answer is audio. You know, um, uh, and if it's audio. Um, you know, what then is what, what's going to be the next, uh, you know, pitfall of audio? Like, well, the transmission rate of the audio is affecting people to uh, do whatever more. I, I, you have to wonder if the outside stimuli of any sort of interfacing with an electronic device is not all that great for us. I, what I thought was interesting was Tyler talking about, you know, essentially we're some sort of evolved monkey. Uh, <laughs> and therefore, uh, our bodies are not, you know, essentially set up for this all this technology interface that we have. Uh, well, that's essentially what the dude said to you, isn't it? Well, in so many words, yeah, I guess that was it. Is that you know your 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 technology has out evolved you? Um, and, and while you know, I'm sure we're going to look back at this in ten years and go, wow, um, you know, remember when we used to have to get online to a, a computer and now all we do is uh, sniff it up our nose and it attaches to our cortex and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, where is it going to go? I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, the, the, there was the overwhelming feeling of as far as a, a biological thing, you are not as evolved as what your technology is becoming and therefore it's having this impact, um, which on some levels is good and other levels uh, is detrimental and, and could be uh, very serious. The thing uh, I find um, just sort of fascinating about that, from sort of the new age perspective, is we've you know we always hear this that you're you're uh, growing technologically faster than your spiritual growth, and that's the problem. But that's not what this guy's saying. He's saying 
your technological advances are growing much farther than your biological uh, capabilities allow. Right. I find that interesting. Well, either that or we're not, um, we're not actually thinking about the method of delivery of information uh, the way we should be, I guess, um, or, or something that's compatible with what we are. I always thought to myself, you know, uh, well, the, the notion of anonymity on the Internet is why there is so many um, uh, so much opportunity for chest thumping and, and, and outright rudeness and, and nastiness and, and, and all of that, all of that infighting stuff that goes on in any online community, whether it's, you know, collecting China dolls to ufology. And, uh, uh, and it turns out, you know, I don't necessarily think that's it anymore. It may be, it's certainly a portion of it, but, um, I've got to think that the, the, you know, just the notion of people who are on the net a lot and are reading a lot and are studying or, or whatever, um, that it, you know, is this part of it? Is this, uh, is this not perhaps maybe more the bulk of the reason is that we immediately go into defense mode because our eyes are, are telling our brain just by their movements, uh, there's a predator to be looked for here. And so we become predatorial you know, in that moment. So I don't know. It's uh, uh, it, it, it's very interesting. And uh, just as a side note uh, to this, uh, Doctor Coke John uh, wrote me today about you know what he found out from his uh, pharmacology uh, folks. That now I'm not going to name the doctor, but he says essentially that. Uh, he agrees that epileptic seizures can be induced by flashing lights. Uh, in fact, uh, he told me that a test to reveal that propensity is to use slow strobe flashes while monitoring brain waves to determine if they exhibit synchronization and the mechanism uh, as to how brain waves uh, really uh, neuronal electro electrical signaling uh, gets signalized is is unknown. So the answer to that is they don't know why that does that. Um, as to whether a computer monitor can exhibit such defects uh, on the brain, uh, he said that the doctor's reply was decidedly negative. Uh, the pulse rate, also, uh, you know, although sometimes unnoticeable, is simply too fast. Uh, and, and let's point out the slowest rates uh, are 30 hertz you know, to, pro to provoke an epileptic episode. The subject of quick eye movements and mood cognition, uh, he was uncertain. Uh, he does allow for how adrenaline and stress response chemicals can dramatically impact behavior and physiology. So if there is a stress triggering with these eye movements, maybe some consequent effects follow that. Um, and he, so he did make mention at the end that uh, both he and the doctor that he consulted with know very little about serotonin. Uh, but he was stumped one to come up with a compound having a similar name. Um, he said, if you happen to come across anything more specific to send that along and he'll ask him again. Uh, so the answer is they don't know. Uh, yeah, well, which, and isn't it funny, you know, once again, trickster or whatever, that the most important right. part here, you don't remember. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and I honestly don't remember. You remember everything else about that conversation, just not the um, chemical. Pretty much. I mean, pretty much. Yes, I do. Um, just not the, 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 you know, the single chemical name. And I'll tell you in, uh, just this evening, I I fell asleep on the couch because uh, I'm exhausted from this week, and uh, and when I woke up, 
somehow or another, I remembered that it wasn't. It didn't start with an S. It starts with a C. <laughs> and it's something with a, it's not a, you know like uh, I just I just remembered it's like something with a C, not an S. And it's not even the S sound from a C. It's it's something else. And so I'm I'm just going to think about it. I'm sure at some point I'll either remember it or. Or maybe it'll be clarified. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, think about oh. it really hard, and then forget about it. And then when you're in the shower, it'll come to you. That's how it always happens. Maybe who knows? Um, but uh, but either way, you cut it. I mean, T- Tyler did kind of say yes that you know eye movement can have an effect on on the brain chemistry, and um, and you know is that is that what we're doing? And so um, I don't know. It's it's certainly made me want to detached from the internet um more so I, I mean i think i mentioned that once i you know I, i'm on the net and and online and uh and plugged into machine literally all day at work and so when i come home i most of the time do my best to stay away from it and just kind of uh do whatever i do something else uh usually just um, try to get into working with my hands or or cooking or or sleeping on the couch <laughs> and so, um, don't you find it you know, odd like that I, we even have a consensus reality? Given that if you're a jogger, you'll have runners' highs. If you're a lazy slob eating Hostess cupcakes, you'll not. You'll be depressed, and and you'll maybe get you know sugar dizzy. Uh, if you meditate, you have all those experiences. You know, it's like there are all these different normal. I want to say fluctuations, but various states of consciousness. That we all live in or or have access to um, on a regular basis, mm-hmm. isn't it amazing that we have anything can consensual at all about reality? <laughs> in a way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think this is. I mean, and what we're talking about here, you know, barely seems to resemble a paranormal conversation, other than you know what I think is the origin of it. But you know, in thinking about this today, I was like, you know what, this really is important to look at. It, you know, if there's any meaning to this at all, to this to this idea of our eye movements and 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 how that affects our brain chemistry and all of that, I think that that is um, a cue for just say um, uh, a guy who goes out to a um, a haunted location who is studying the ghost phenomena. Like, I think that guy should take pause and say, what is my behavior like? What are my eyes doing? Like take stock of that kind of thing and see what, see if acting or behaving or uh, doing things differently in a situation like that affects the investigation or what you see or don't see. I think that would be an interesting thing to kind of, to kind of test out because I think anything that has to do with the nature of perception of what's around us, and how brain chemistry works is paramount to studying this stuff. Uh, and so that, to, to, to me, that's got a, a direct connection with all of this. It's like, what, what are we doing um, even when we're studying this phenomenon in a, in a direct situ- situation like that? I, I think that that's an important thing. I mean, there's no question when you're talking about ghost hunting that people do this in the dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. So th- th- that right there is going to have some kind of effect. I mean, when we went to Gettysburg, Jeremy, did we investigate anything in the dark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. What do you mean? I mean, no? it was it, 
No, it was it was dim, but it wasn't like we were walking around with night vision goggles on in oh, darkness. Oh, you mean in the house? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it wasn't. It's like we didn't do that, and we still had experiences at Mark Nesbitt's place. Um, well, and in the dark, you know, your eyes widen. You allow in more light. Right. Um, and there are visual. There are visual effects to being in darkness that are to do with your eyes adjusting, and mm-hmm. often those have uh, effects of uh, flashes or uh, uh, kind of uh, I don't know. Everybody's probably had that uh, peripheral uh, flash of light or that peripheral afterglow of a light bulb beside you that you see when you turn off the light and you're in darkness. That's, those kind of things happen when you're getting used to darkness. And so how much of a part does that play in personal experience if that's what you're doing? You're putting yourself in, in absolute darkness looking for something that is hard to perceive anyway. Um, and, and what do you think is going on with that investigator as he's going through a house that he's not familiar with? Do you think his eyes might be moving around, darting back and forth a bit? I bet they are. Uh, and so maybe this is something that uh, even in that realm, they could look at what is the behavior pattern when they go to investigate a place like that? What are they doing and how are they perceiving their surroundings? Uh, and, and, and therefore, could there be an explanation to some of these things that it's brain chemistry uh, making us look for predators? And I, I, th- I think anything you can do or talk about when it comes to uh, behavior versus uh, physiology um, and then the, that ultimately boils down to your to your nature of perception uh, is pretty relevant to all of this stuff, to all these topics. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think we've made that case pretty clear on this show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think we should wrap it here. Sure. We gave these bastards two hours last week of After Chat. Hey, hey, after hey. After a two-hour show. These pay the bills. These sons of bitches <laughs> don't deserve... Oh, you're right. Um, so some very special thanks again to Dr. Uh, Kojan, because again, it was supposed to be, you know, a 15 minute to 20 minute chat and it ended up being about an hour and a half and he actually welcomed it. So, uh, thank you again. And, oh, well, you know, I always do this, right? I always want to wrap and then I say something and then we end up chatting for more. Uh, I'll, I'll try not to do that here, but what do you make of his mentioning, the guy in black, you know, his sort of guy in black fear or guy in black shroud fear. <laughs> um, I don't know, perhaps some small seed planted in youth. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, it did sound like he was saying at first that, well, well, why do you think I have that in my video? Didn't it sound like he was admitting something here? And then, and then he pulled I, back uh, on it. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, eh. I'm not saying I he did pull back on it. I think he's completely open and honest that, that nothing did uh, happen yeah. that he knows about. But uh, but that he knows about is the key. There. Well, well, that he has fear about. Uh, you know, it's it's. Um, I mean, who can who can think about that image that that descriptive image of this guy standing there who's very tall and this in this black garment or. Or, or extraordinarily dark blue garment, and and uh, and not see that as sort of a grim reaperish type figure, um, 
Uh, I mean, it is kind of a ghoulish visage when you really think about well, it. Well, yeah, but why would he, so it's why inherent, would he it's have a childhood fear? It's not, I mean, I'm assuming, I don't know how old he is, but I'm assuming he's older than we are, and he probably you know, wasn't a kid when Star Wars came out, so he doesn't have the Emperor right. to fall back on. Like, <laughs> something, something dark side. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Although he sounds uh, really young, so maybe I'm wrong. He does. Um, I don't know. Um, I could chalk it up to that. It's it's just it's a pretty creepy. Um, it's a pretty creepy visage, and and who knows? There may be some kind of. Uh, and that, I, we can't say that he's the only one who's had to say oh, that's really a creepy thing. That kind of sets me a little uneasy. Just that the the my mental thought of what that would look like. Um, you know, I mentioned in the show that. Um, People using the psychomantium see these cloaked figures that are – when I read the description of some of them, I'm like, man, that's so it. Uh, you know, this single death shroud looking thing. And um, Well, you even – you, you, you found that, you know, a, a picture of some like – a picture from what? A psychedelic trip that was a guy in a shroud sitting uh, you know, in a meditative posture. Yeah, it was a it was a basically an, a, a website that had artwork on it that was uh, all very well. It was from one particular artist, I think. It was all very um, psychedelically based or influenced uh, uh, imagery, and that was one of the imagery uh, pieces. Was um, uh, kind of a a blue glowed uh, low light figure sitting cross legged with the hood type looking thing or a shroud type looking thing, and I was like, uh huh. So that could be something to start looking through psychedelic uh, circles about. You know, is this is this a you know is this a, a an image that people see in that state? You know, I don't know. It's uh, but I, I found the the connection to the psychomantium really interesting, and that is you know the more I read about it and the more I talk to people about it, they seem to think that um, there may be a uh, a paranormal essence to that, but also that there's definitely some kind of altered state of perception going on, probably by virtue of um, a certain amount of sight sensory deprivation. So, well, there's sensory know. deprivation. I also think when you are sitting really quietly and intently listening, I think when you use your ears and not your 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 eyes, mm-hmm. something changes too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but again, I want to thank. Dr. Coke John, not just for his time on here, but also watching the way he interacts on message boards and listening to the way he even just speaks with us about things <laughs> is, is actually changing. Inspiring. <laughs> it's not just inspiring. It's changing the way I interact on mm-hmm. the net now. You know, mm-hmm. I'm really trying to take a page from him. So he, he yeah. is, he is, he is slowly but surely becoming a national treasure. This Dr. Tyler Coke John. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I was like I said, amazed to see the way he acted on UFO updates, and uh, and and the way he can hold a conversation is pretty amazing. So and he's, he's a pretty amazing guy. I mean, for the position that he holds and the work that he does to be interested in this and to allot us his, his valuable time, uh, in, you know, to to discuss this weird shit with us is um is is a pretty great great gift as far as I'm concerned. So uh, many many thanks to him for that, and and hopefully he's gonna hang out with us uh, uh, real soon again because he's a, he's a good guy to just sit around and talk with. Yep. And, uh, yeah, and it's not often that you get a doctor of his stature to 
not just be as open and honest in talking to us about this stuff, but even in just saying, well, maybe something happened, you know, yeah. I don't know. But I mean, he would be open to the possibility. I mean, and he even said yeah. he had a UFO sighting. It may or may not have been anything. It may have just been a light, but who knows? But the fact that he's willing to admit these things and talk openly and candidly, I don't know. It's just it's, what a breath of fresh air. Um, Damn right. So seek out his instructional videos, as, as such as they are. I don't know that they're really instructional videos, but uh, they're informative and they're cute. Uh, and they are on YouTube. Yeah, correct. If you put in the word rewinky, that is his account, R-E-W-I-N-K-Y. So go there, go to YouTube.com, search rewinky, and, uh, you know, his his videos will come up. Give him, a, give him a look, give him a shout out, tell him you appreciate his work. Let's try to keep him around for as long as we can. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. All right. Uh, sweet dreams, Jeff, and take care, Paratopia. Bye-bye now.